0: Welcome back to another episode of Ends With Z. I'm Juan Fernandez, along with Cecile Munoz. And Cecile, this time of year, uh, we're already in August, uh, is a time that we should be sending our kids back into classrooms to start yes. a brand new school year. Such an exciting time mm-hmm. for children. And for a lot of them, it's not happening.
1: No, and it's also, a, a, in some ways, a relief for parents, right, right. to mm-hmm. to send their kids back to school. Sure. And it and isn't happening like, just about everything else in our life, it is also affected, highly affected by the pandemic that mm-hmm. we're all suffering through. And so we did think that it was something important for us to bring attention to and, and open up a, a lively discussion. And we're fortunate enough to have had the opportunity to, to speak to some teachers that will share their thoughts. Um, mm-hmm. When I was thinking about what we wanted to share and, and thinking about what I call the plight of teachers and of parents, because They seem to be at times at the opposite end of the spectrum of what they think. But the truth is they are both addressing something that is very important is, and that is doing the very best for for the children, doing Mm -hmm. what they feel is in the best interest of the kids. But there's a factor that we have to stop and think about in doing what's best for the kids. We also have to consider the teachers because they're the ones that are putting themselves in the front line and. Uh, In many ways, they are also first responders, just like Mm -hmm. nurses and healthcare providers and firefighters. And so we have to ask ourselves, are we giving them the very best equipment, the training, the tools, the Mm -hmm. resources? When we ask them to put themselves in the front line, there's been many polls. One certainly recently from uh, the Pew uh, Research Group that asked adults and then asked parents in the U.S. This was uh, completed, I think, within the last mm-hmm. week. And the question was, what do they think? Do, do they think that students should go back to to school uh, either in person, some sort of a mix of online or in person, mm-hmm. or just hybrid? A, right, a hybrid. You're right. And 28% of, of adults in the US said that kids, K through 12, should learn online. And only 19% of those adults polled said that they should be going back to school in person. So it was a large disparity there. And 36% of them said that it should be some mixture, or a hybrid, as you called it, right. Juan. But when they asked the kids who already have, I'm sorry, the parents who already have kids enrolled in school, uh, Parents, 32% of them said that they want their children to go back to school online because Mm -hmm. they are afraid to send them back to school and Mm -hmm. and what risk that poses to to the children and to them as well. 36% of them, uh, uh, 34% of them Mm -hmm. said that they would want a mixture of online and in person, but only 23% of them said that they want their kids to go back in person.
0: And it's interesting, we're not even getting up to 49, 50%. The numbers are so low.
1: Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And then when you look at the minority communities, because we know for a fact that COVID-19 has affected disproportionately the minority communities at a higher number. So when you ask African-American parents who have children enrolled in the school year, 43% of them said that they want their kids to learn online this school year Mm -hmm. because they are so afraid for for their health and for the health of their kids. 39% of Hispanics said the same thing, and 23% of Asian Americans said that they want their kids to learn online. And I was thinking, you know, Juan, did you ever know uh, people who did homeschooling for other kids?
0: I've known them as an adult, because when I was growing up, homeschooling Mm -hmm. really wasn't something you would do. That was something a little bit more of modern times.
1: Yes, and I used to marvel, I thought, how, how does could a parent they do this? and yep. and we're educated, we're college and we thought, how does a parent do that? Well, the truth of it is there, there's some really tough guidelines a parent has to follow to mm-hmm. to be able to meet the requirements to homeschool their children. So I also look at it from the parents' perspective. Right. I'm thinking, well, if all parents now are helping ensure that their kids are learning online, how are we making sure when did that training happen for the right. parents? And the answer is it
0: didn't. Right.
1: So I get that the kids are at a great disadvantage. I get that we have, the data is there. This is not opinion. This is fact. We all know that as Americans and as American students, they have been falling behind academically sure. against other developed nations. Even in
0: class, being in class or falling behind, right? This, this is before mm-hmm. COVID.
1: So you, I get that all of us are concerned. I am concerned being at the age that I am now and realizing that our retirement years and that chapter of our lives yep. will be made possible, the quality of it at a certain level based on the workforce that comes sure. behind this. And the workforce right now principally is in school, right? Mm-hmm. Getting ready to, right. To, to move through that progression of their life. And so what happens if, they, if their education is not optimal? But this is one of the things in life, like all important things in life, they're not one singular issue. There's lots of factors. Mm-hmm. There's lots of emotion involved. There's lots of opinions. But like everything, we like to start with facts. Mm-hmm. Then we have to move on to how it affects everybody. And we have to really, I think, listen and hear from the very people who are in the front line mm-hmm. of dealing with the consequences of, of the virus and how do you teach children. So I'm just so excited to to have the opportunity to talk to school teachers mm-hmm. different parts of the country right in states that have had a really significant spike in how they prepare for the school year
0: and two different states where you're gonna see one teacher feels like she's getting a lot of support um, from the school district and another teacher who perhaps may not be getting uh, as much support so we are gonna see uh, a bit of two extremes but at the heart two amazing teachers that care the most about their students and and what they bring to the classroom and to their lives every day.
1: You know, Juan, that really got me thinking Mm -hmm. about both teachers, one in Kentucky, one in Arizona, both Title I schools, Mm -hmm. uh, which means that they have a large population of uh, Mm low-income, high-risk students, Mm -hmm. and the vast differences, which our listeners will hear, of the support that they have. And, and And it got me thinking, I thought, well, Maybe this is something that is a positive that's coming out of of this crisis uh, and Mm -hmm. this virus, that we all taxpayers should take a closer look of how exactly are we supporting teachers, how we are ensuring that the budget dollars, the tax dollars are going to do the things that are necessary Mm -hmm. to support the people who are on the front lines of providing that support. When you think about all the support that has been given or not given during mm-hmm. this crisis. Um, the HEROES Act, which uh, set aside a three trillion stimulus bill that has passed the House, but I believe it's still waiting to pass the Senate, mm-hmm. has approximately allocated $100 billion in funds to the US Department of Education. Now, I believe that as of today, that has not passed. Obviously, Congress is not in session. But I have to ask myself, what if it doesn't pass? What if a smaller portion of that passes? And how are we going to ensure that is properly al- allocated equally mm-hmm. especially to those title 1 schools and if you think about let's just take the airlines for for example the airlines received billions of aids from taxpayer dollars mm-hmm. American Airlines alone received five billion 5.8 billion in a PSP uh, and then they're eligible for additional funding mm-hmm. United received five billion so if that's just an airline who helps us go from one part of the world to another one part of the state to another mm-hmm shouldn't we doing be doing a little bit better for our kids? Right. Shouldn't we we take that focus? So I'm excited to talk to the teachers. I'm excited to hear what they have to say and understand from the people who are doing the work, who are deploying the resources that our tax dollars mm-hmm. provide them to get the things that they need to make sure that, whether it is online or in person or a hybrid of, mm-hmm. that they have what they need to make sure that our kids are prepared to succeed both as uh, academically in their life, but also emotionally as human beings Mm. and members of our society.
0: The pandemic has put a spotlight on the need and the problem and hopefully through this podcast, we're gonna put a spotlight on two great teachers and what they bring to the classroom every day
1: absolutely so today uh, we will be talking to shannon who Mm -hmm. is a experienced wonderful teacher she has about 26 or 27 years i believe of experience teaching she teaches as we said in a title one school in kentucky and so let's take a listen Shannon, thank you so much for being with us today. We really appreciate your time, and we are so looking forward to hearing what you have to share with us about your experience as a school teacher um, in Kentucky, I believe, during the COVID crisis. So please, uh, Shannon, uh, tell us, what uh, grade do you teach?
2: Well, actually, I teach K-5, through kindergarten through fifth grade. Oh, okay. I um, have taught for 25, 26 years, and I've always taught second or third grade. Mm-hmm. Um, last year, I interviewed for an intervention position oh. and what, got that what is position. That? Yeah. What is that? So intervention, there are tiers to, to um, education, tier one, tier two, tier three. It's called MTSS, multi-tiered um, strategies, um, support strategies, structures. Um, and I am the tier three component. So tier one, all students receive tier one, tier two, um, students who are struggling a little bit with math or reading, the teacher pulls them in in a small group and and whatever they're struggling with could be basic facts, could be um, reading comprehension, um, Mm -hmm. works on that. And then if if that doesn't um, help them as much as we'd like, then they start coming to me for 30 minutes a day and I help them with, filling in those holes, filling in those gaps, um, instructionally.
0: So you're signing up for this extra task, basically. I mean, it's not easy. I mean, you're taking an extra step here, right?
2: Right. Uh, well, I, that's all I do all day. So I don't Mm -hmm. have a classroom anymore. Mm. Um, so I used to teach science, social studies, reading, writing, math, you know, speaking and listening computer skills, everything. So now, um, I have small groups so instead of having 20 to 28 kids in a class now I can only have three kid three students at a time.
1: So um, that's so what you kinda... teach K through th- through 5, right? Because you you you're, right. you're very, in a very specialized area for kids who need that extra help. Right, right. I see. So how are you doing with the COVID crisis mm-hmm. and the fact that you have not I'm assuming you have not been able to to provide that supportive Education to your students, at least not face to face, right? Not face to face, yeah.
2: Not face to face. We use Google Meet
1: mm-hmm. um,
2: and Zoom, and um, so I was able to see my students on there. Um, in the spring, I've kept my Google Classroom open, um, and I was actually messaging uh, two of my students from the spring had uh, fourth graders, now fifth graders had messaged me. They get bored, and you know, just want to meet up and play a math game or something online. So I've met with some of my students over the summer um, online just to play, you know, some basic multiplication fact games and things like that, just to give them something to do. But um, you want to reach out and, and hug them. And one of my students last year in the middle of all the coronavirus, his dad died. And um, that just, just killed me that I couldn't, you know be with him he was a student that I saw every day 30 minutes and you know he would just you're kind of like their therapist a lot of times so uh, we you know we had to do a lot of home visits on kids we couldn't couldn't get a hold of we had kids not showing up on on their meetings their google meets and zoom meetings and um, it makes you a little worried we've got a lot our school system is the second largest in the district in in Kentucky, mm-hmm. uh, Fayette County, which is Lexington, uh, Louisville's the, the largest, Jefferson County. Um, so we have a lot of supports and um, we, we don't do without because we're such a big school system. We have a lot of money to purchase things that we need, programs. Thank God and things for so, that. Yes. So our s- superintendent right before the year before coronavirus um, had s- hired a slew of med- mental health professionals.
1: Wonderful, our, thank for God. Our district. Mm.
2: Yeah, and I'm a title one school. I've always been at a title one school. Mm-hmm. So we have um, kids who are in poverty and um, need a lot of those services. So we have school psychologists, we have a few, um, we have a school counselor. We have a couple of mental health professionals mm. now. Um, We have a family resource center. So we have a lot of people out there trying to help these kids Mm -hmm. as much Mm -hmm. as we can. It's just, it's just hard when you really are kind of, you feel helpless because you can't, you can't, if they don't answer the door and they don't answer the phone, then there's not a lot you can do. Yeah,
0: Shannon, you're very fortunate. Uh, The school district is providing you with resources You specifically deal with children, kinder to fifth grade. They're they're young children. Um, What's the biggest challenge for you um, in dealing with them? Obviously, if you're a little older, you can understand a little bit more what's going on. But when you're so young, um, what's your biggest challenge dealing with them?
2: During the coronavirus or just a general
0: like right? Well, right now, during during the coronavirus right now, obviously, um, this has thrown a loop uh, into everybody's um, career right now.
2: Right, Um, so and we have not started back for the fall. Um, Teachers here in Fayette County started back Monday. Um, So I've been in trainings all week, this week and next week, um, all day on Zoom, just learning how to use just different digital platforms. And um, our our district has purchased a lot of uh, different programs for Mm -hmm. us to use to teach from home or from our classroom. We're not required to come to school. Um, We can teach from home if we need to. I know some districts, they're requiring their teachers to still go in the building and teach from the classroom, their physical classroom, um, even though they're virtually distance learning.
1: That is what, I'm sorry, uh, Shannon, but they did decide, right, that it's distance learning for for Kentucky?
2: um, Not all of Kentucky. Our governor, yeah, our governor, each district, he he, Governor Bashir, left that up to each ind- individual superintendent mm-hmm. in Kentucky. Um, our district, Louisville Jefferson County, was the first, you know, way before the governor came out and said we're doing distance learning. Um, and then maybe a week or two after that, Fayette County did. And then it kind of starts with the bigger mm-hmm. districts, and then it, then the other ones kind of follow to see mm-hmm. what the bigger districts are doing. Um, there are, like here in Fayette County, the private schools, the, the Catholic schools, they started face-to-face learning this this week. So they actually are face-to-face. Wow. Um, they don't have school buses. You know, that's, that's a big issue was transportation uh, with the CDC recommendations mm-hmm. and guidelines on transporting kids and um, bus drivers taking their temperature before they get on the bus, just all sorts of.
0: It's a huge learning curve for everybody involved. Whether you're the bus right. driver, the teacher, the principal, the school janitor. administrators, uh, what a learning right. curve here! Yeah,
2: yeah. So we're we're spending even um, the assistants, the special ed paras, Everybody's having to do all this um, learning this week and next week just to. The spring was not a, a good positive thing for anybody: kids, mm-hmm. parents, teachers. Mm-hmm because we, we found out here in, in Kentucky um, on a Thursday that the next day was gonna be our last day of school. And then, mm. you know, so we had not, we're not used to teaching online. That's not our thing. That's not why any teachers go into teaching. We wanna be with the kids. And um, especially, you know, schools like mine that are Title One. those kids, sometimes you're the only hug they get all
1: day. Oh my God. So
2: you you that's the biggest fear is you worry what's going on with these kids when they're not with you Mm. um not that i'm some you know that the teachers are um their saviors or anything but at least we know that they're okay when we see them every day coming in the building but um but fayette county so we had that one day to kind of over the weekend and and um then spring we had spring break right after that to just kind of um, Learn as much as we could on how to how to um, teach virtually. So back then in the spring, it was more we had to provide packets mm-hmm. um, for students. Our our district is one to one technology, which means every single student in our district is is provided a Chromebook.
1: That is like, really great, mm.
2: like a little mini laptop. Um, they aren't provided the headphones, but they're provided the Chromebook and a charger. So if you have three students, we had you know families that had a you know first grader, a third grader, and a fifth grader. They got three Chromebooks to keep at home so that all each child could be you know on it at the same time on on a different device. So our district also has has put hotspots up mm-hmm. for kids who don't have. Um, you know, Wi-Fi or anything. So so there's really no excuse now, especially. We, we were able to give everybody Chromebooks in the spring um, and Family Resource Centers um, tried to, you know, provide hotspots for those kids and Spectrum. How lucky. Spectrum.
1: I'm sorry.
0: How lucky. Not all school districts have that resource. It's unbelievable.
1: That, right. That's right. Yeah. And I, and I think what is really remarkable here is, especially because you are in a Title I district, Um, which serves a a large proportion of disadvantaged or lower-income children, Mm -hmm. is to think about, as we've talked to nurses across the country and we've done a lot of research before this podcast, Shannon, is to think about some Title I schools that some of them are in an affluent area, but they don't have those resources. So it makes me sit back and think about what is it about your county that, and your superintendent that it was able to first of all have the foresight to provide the emotional mm-hmm. care to the students and therefore to the teachers and have the technology and I don't know if it was a, a public par- private partnership with the technology company or is it just effective management of a budget but I think that um, it, is, it is so wonderful to be so prepared for this is not even a rainy day, this mm-hmm. is a, a category five hurricane that yeah, has hit the right. schools but I, I also wanna wanna stop and acknowledge that to me, teachers are very much frontline workers, not dissimilar to healthcare providers and nurses and doctors. Because you are caring for, first of all, a very a very fragile a very at-risk population of this country from an infection perspective, even though s- m- signs show that they may be a little bit more resilient, but there's also some that get very sick and die. But you're also caring for the most important population of this country, and that is the future of, of this country, and that is children. And mm-hmm. for you to 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 stop and say what you miss is hugging these kids and, and being there for emotional import, support, I think that that is also just like healthcare providers, like nurses, teachers, mm-hmm. you guys are, many times the, 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 those who, who identify children that are at need or at risk, and many times right. because of single moms or parents working or whatever is happening in that kid's life, you, you become the, the, the emotional uh, compass, that North Star huh. that, that grounds right. them, and, and how do you do that with distance right. learning? How do you continue that emotional connection? Mm-hmm.
2: Right. I know, um, yeah, we're kind of their anchor. And I, one of our training, we have required trainings every year. And one that I did for a couple hours yesterday was on trauma informed um, instruction and the kids that, that have, have suffered trauma. And it, it said 60% of students have suffered some sort of trauma, whether it be.
1: Wow. Is that normal? Or, normal students? 60% have suffered trauma was, before COVID.
2: That was that was just yes,
1: my God, yeah.
2: and then you throw COVID into it, and that's a hundred percent right. Wow, what but a number! You know, just watching the the video, and I know the people in it, you know, were actors, and but it just, um, and I was just reading this morning that or last night that a teacher was doing. This was just on Monday, was not in Kentucky, was teaching her class via Zoom or or whatever um, platform and a little girl, her, her mom's, her, her mom's boyfriend shot the mom while the teacher was teaching the class online. Oh my God. And the whole class was sitting there and they started hearing, cause you can, you know, you can mute the kids, the students, which sometimes that's kind of, that's kind of a plus for, um, online learning instead of the classroom. Sure. Well, that's always nice every now and then, but, um, but so the teacher muted her cause she could hear some, stuff going on? And, and then the little girl put her hands up to her head and then the screen went blank. And so that's one of those things, you know, we just, we don't know what's, what's going on there. Um, the little girl's fine. And I, I don't, I haven't heard an update as to the mom or anything. Um, but that, that's what, that's what, that's trauma, you know, and that's these, that we're expecting these students to, you know, know how to divide with remainders <laughs> do all that when they're they're experiencing that kind of thing but the we did some training and you know just on how to because we have to report it legally we have mm-hmm. to report anything mm-hmm. any type of um, abuse that we see and and uh, or if maybe a child writes about it or draws pictures or any it was just um on how to spot um and help kids that maybe cry out for help in different ways and um they shannon, might act
1: out mm-hmm. well, shannon what do you worry about um i know our listeners can't see but i have the, the the pleasure of seeing you uh on on the screen and every time you talk about something that deals with not logistics of computers and, and charts and graphs but when it when it comes to the emotional wellness of your of your kids and I'll call them your kids. You touch your you touch your heart. You, I don't know if you realize mm-hmm. that you touch your chest. So I know that this oh, is really emotional mm-hmm. to you. What are yeah. you worrying about? What what is keeping you up at night that you think I have the technology, thank God. I have the resources. I have a school mm-hmm. system and a principals and, and and superintendents that care and prepared. But what's keeping you up at night as a teacher, as the person that all these parents entrust and the lives and the wellness of the kids, what do you worry about that we're not going to be able to address given the conditions that we're in?
2: I I don't worry about their academics. I know um, and some trainings I was in earlier this week, there's always a summer slide where you know they didn't read all summer, they didn't do math all summer, there's always that slide. And it's that should be able to be picked up pretty quickly. It's, I worry more about the, which is why I like to teach in a title one school because I am, you know, I, I love the students and I love to provide that, that love and that mm-hmm. support that they need. Um, but I worry more about these kids. I know we have a large, um, population of ESL students mm-hmm. at my school in particular. And, Um, a lot of them I know probably haven't spoken English since Mm -hmm. you know all this so I worry about that as far as their slide but I really worry the most about their emotional well-being and I know I can't imagine how scary it is to be a kid and see things on the news um, that they're seeing and every day our governor comes on at four o'clock here in Kentucky and spends an hour which is great he gives us the report on the new Number of deaths overnight, the number of COVID cases overnight, and how many have have you know recovered. Um, but as a child, I can't imagine an elementary child. I can't imagine how scary that would be.
0: So it um, seems so like worry about that. So it seems like your role has gone definitely beyond the classroom. It used to be right. You mm-hmm. worried about what was going on in school, and of course, checking in with parents every so often. Parents teacher nights. Uh, but with what's going on now, there's just so much more that you need to be concerned with.
2: Right. I mean, we hand out food. Um, our district mm-hmm. has, has always handed out food during the summer months um, for students. Um, so you worry, you know, making sure something I was watching earlier today was just worrying that these kids whose parents are at work, that worries me the most. I know in the spring, most parents weren't back to work because mm-hmm. everything was closed down, um, pretty much here in Kentucky. And so now parents are back to work, and a lot of our parents work jobs that are not salary jobs; they're hourly jobs. And if they miss, they're going to lose their job. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I worry about who's going to be home with these little babies when they're, you know, they're having to be at home. I know the te- a lot of the teachers in the spring, when our governor came out and said, um, or our district came out and just said, you know, we're not coming back, teachers were very depressed. We were, um, it was very emotional. Mm-hmm. You
1: know. It's so interesting because when you listen to the arguments from both sides, us to open, not open, open, not open, the schools, in person, not in person. At least from my vantage point, what we hear a lot about the arguments are based around students falling behind, the economic the mm-hmm. uh, academic consequences to students. And yet, if we were to just stop and ask the teachers what they worry the most, you're worrying about the the welfare, the the emotional mm-hmm. well-being of these students. And mm-hmm. um, you know we we talk about a lot of different things in this podcast, but I think the central theme of what we want to have people, Hopefully, take away and think about is why things matter. Because things typically matter far beyond just the face of it. You're mm-hmm. a nurse. Mm-hmm. You're a teacher. You're a doctor. You're a firefighter. But what is it really that you're doing in in your work? And I can tell that you love math. I'm a math geek myself. Uh, but but <laughs> I am not. <laughs> but I <laughs> I I can overwhelmingly see that what matters to you what the purpose of the work that you do is the love that you have for these kids and your commitment to their mental and well-being because i believe that if we have our mental health and we have a sense of wellness a sense of positivity a sense of yes i can do this then the rest are just things that we learn on any particular day or not and i think that if we all right. if there's something that i which is not Shannon, by the way, what I thought I was going to take away from our conversation, it was something that I that I'm really humbled by and so so happy that I that, that we have the chance to speak with you is to say, let's start spending a little bit more time collectively worrying about what are we as a society doing first and foremost to support our teachers mm-hmm. and second to support each other as a collective mm-hmm. community to make sure mm-hmm. that these kids are coming out of this, if they were already 60% of them experiencing trauma in their life, dear God, what tools, right. what resources as we as a community, can we change our point of view to be more positive and supportive and empathetic and compassionate mm-hmm. to support not only our teachers and all those who are part of the education system, but to the parents and to the children to make sure that they come back right. in whatever form, whenever that is safe to do so right, and can learn. Right.
2: And I think right now, I, th- I know in the spring, many teachers felt supported and, you know, celebrities were coming out saying, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, Shonda Rhimes came out and said um, she'd spent an hour homeschooling mm-hmm. and she was ready to give teachers a million dollars. That's right. I- I <laughs> That's right. In. And, and now, you know, teachers, I'm in several teacher groups, on Facebook and they're across the country. So it's interesting to see what each state and each district around the country is doing. And some, some don't have the, um, the money that we Mm -hmm. do here in Fayette County. And so there are those kids without internet access and there are places where kids, the schools probably aren't delivering meals. I don't know, but I, I do know that everywhere you look the teachers are they're not just thinking about planning their lessons they're trying to figure out i mean in the spring teachers were delivering things to students houses if they yes i know several
1: teachers who did that
2: yeah if they did their work for the week they were delivering things of course that they bought out of their own pockets um to the kids just to reward them and just trying to you know we couldn't get close to them or anything but just anything to reach out to them and I know um, teachers right now feel like at least around here that that they're not respected now um, you know in the spring it was like woohoo, go teachers yes and now it's like oh teachers don't want to go back to school mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. they're lazy and they want to just kind of hang out in their pajamas all day <laughs> <laughs> and teach from it and so I know here uh, on some of the comments of things I've seen when they were discussing distance learning versus in-person learning versus hybrid, whatever, Um, parents, I'd seen some comments and I just had to stop looking at the comments because I was getting you know, frustrated, but parents saying, well, just give us the tax dollars back so that, because we're going to have to be, yeah, we're going to have to be teaching our students from home so the teachers aren't doing anything. And um, I just they need to know that the teachers actually are working harder right now on this distance learning across the country, just trying to figure out how to reach, reach all students and reach all learners and provide those basic needs that the kids, you Mm -hmm. know, they need school supplies. So schools give them school supplies. They need food. They need um, all of that. So the, teachers are trying to to provide everything and the the social emotional aspect is is huge that's that's the main thing is just to provide them some security and some um normalcy i mm-hmm. guess
1: and shannon it's interesting because you've given us a litany of things that you are doing, and some of which I know that teachers have always done out of their own pocket. Mm -hmm. I have family members that are teachers, that are school counselors, and so I know that they've always pulled money out of their pocket. They don't even think about it, and I I find that as an entrepreneur, and as a business owner, and in the profession that we're in, I find it shocking because I will be remiss to point out three or four other industries that um, find that acceptable, to their, to their employees that you, that you uh, normally require them to spend 15-20% of their own income to supplement what they're not providing. But leaving that aside, in all that you have been talking about and when you said that people are now very negative and saying that you guys are lazy and just don't want to go back, um, I find it interesting that you never once talked about you. And your fears and your fears about your family and um, I don't know mm-hmm. if you have children or not I believe that you do and not fearing yes. because uh, w- there's a reason why I said that mm-hmm. you are a frontline worker sending you back into the classroom for for the reasons that are that are uh, understandable and right to to keep our kids moving forward but we know that they are uh, one of the conduits that spreads this disease, like every other type of contagious disease, very easily. So for us to say, well, you just don't want to go back and do your job, it's like saying to a firefighter, well, I know I'm not giving you the equipment that you need to run into the burning building, but hell, <laughs> right. just run into the burning building. And by the way, right. you get to carry the fire on your back when you go, get, go back home and potentially mm-hmm. cinch your family, too. Right. So that is and I know I I can get a little excessively passionate about that because I Mm -hmm. am a person that believes as we three here in in this podcast believe in high level of personal accountability so I I agree that there is compassion fatigue because we have so much coming at us but I also believe that we have an endless source maybe not a financial ability which wouldn't that be nice to help you bring the tools that you need but you obviously have great support there but we do have an endless capacity for compassion and love and understanding and forgiveness and maybe just to sit quietly and listen to what the person who is also experiencing this has to say versus my opinion because I don't walk in your shoes and if there's anything that we can do Shannon, anything that you can share with our listeners that would help you and your colleagues and your fellow teachers Mm -hmm. to make your impossible job easier? Let us know, what can we do?
2: I think right now, the biggest thing, I mean, some school districts have already started back and, um, and now are closed, you know, because of coronavirus spreading. And I think the biggest thing is to to give your teachers grace. Um, mm-hmm. They They are doing the best they can. They don't wanna be home. None of us, no teacher that I know um wants to be at home right now this is the beginning and the end of the school year are my favorite two times well and then of course halloween and then there's christmas (laughs) that's all our favorite
1: calendar years that's why i miss miss school for that
2: yeah yeah there's just so much it's so exciting except Um, for
1: valentine's i didn't get a lot of valentine's cards but that's a different topic (laughs) valentine's
2: day is my favorite that's my favorite because it's just so sweet Especially elementary school, because yeah. they come in with the little chocolate roses they Aww. got at the Dollar Tree and everything. Aww. But that's what I miss. I miss um, greeting, because I'm intervention now, I greet the kids every morning, either in the cafeteria or in the bus line when they come in or the car line. And I miss this time of year is when you see, you know, get to see those kids and you're the one of the first people they see and you get to, you know, they'll run over and give you a hug. and. Wow. And this time of year is so much fun for teachers. It's it's tiring because you're not, you know, you're having to get back to um, not getting to go to the bathroom for <laughs> four or five hours, you know, it's t- that way. And you're getting back up at 5.30 in the morning, but it's so exciting because the kids want to tell you, I mean, they want to tell you everything. You know, you see them today and you know, the tomorrow morning, they've got to tell you everything that happened between (laughs) three o'clock and the next morning. So we miss, we miss, we miss all that. Um, but I would just say, um, to give to, I know, um, here in Kentucky, there's, there's, I've seen some groups on Facebook, um, with kind of like the donors choose where Mm -hmm. people can teachers put a wish list out and they can purchase things, um, for them to help teach from home because the school districts, Mm -hmm. my school's providing, if you need a laptop, they're providing it here, but I know some other school districts Mm -hmm. might not. But I mean, just things like um, dry race markers for their, dry, you know, a portable dry race board that they normally would have at school, but Mm -hmm. they don't, things like that. But I think the biggest thing that teachers want is just respect. Um,
0: Well, teachers like you (laughs) should be respected, uplifted, (laughs) cherished because you do yes. so much that really, as we grow up uh, into adulthood, we do remember those special teachers Absolutely. in our lives, don't we, them
1: Absolutely, I, I, I remember the ones that were really tough, and I remember because of mm-hmm. what they, they how they impacted my life uh, from an intellectual standpoint, but the ones that always still bring a tear to my eye are the ones that believed in me, the ones that showed, that mm-hmm. love me, and I grew up in a very, fortunate enough to grow up in a very loving environment, Shannon, I want you to know that you have our appreciation. Mm -hmm. You have our respect. (laughs) And we hope that you and your fellow teachers have grace around you in everything that you do. We thank Thank you for your work. We thank you for your honest, humble, just heartfelt um, sharing of what you go through. And we know, because life always goes forward, we always find a way. We know mm-hmm. that the time will come, hopefully, God willing, sooner versus later, that you will be back hugging those kids. I want to end yes. our conversation knowing and having that vision of you hugging all those kids because I know- well, you're gonna bring tears to my eyes. Oh, well, you already <laughs> did mine, so we'll be in good company. <laughs> Shannon, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. I, I wish you great health. I wish you that love surrounds you and that those kids get to see you very soon because they will be much better for it. So thank you so much, Shannon.
2: You're so sweet. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Wow, what an interview, Cecile. What was your takeaway from that? Wasn't that great?
1: It was far more emotional Mm -hmm. than I thought it was going to be. And listen, I would love to say that I was beyond positively impressed of how prepared that school district is. And now I know why USA Today um, uh, ranked that particular school district, Fayette okay. County. Fayette County and one in Kentucky, of, right? yes, I think mm-hmm. it's uh, one of the top in the country. I think they made the top nineteen percent. Um, but I think what my biggest takeaway is how she has, how Shannon has an extraordinary capacity to love and care for her mm-hmm. kids. I mean in its in its exponential. And I, it has to be never ending because every year she has a different batch of kids and she deals with multiple, um, ages and multiple grades. I I just, I just, I, I want to learn how to love that unconditionally that many people.
0: And I want to believe that there are more and more teachers and classrooms out there like her who care about their students. She's a teacher. She's a guardian. She has that motherly touch as well that children need when they're away from their families. And she is a gem in that school district.
1: She is. And to all the Shannons out there. We give you our love and we give you our respect um, because you cannot just say you respect someone. You have to show them that we respect them. So uh, to all our listeners, take a special moment to show your teachers how much Mm -hmm. you respect them and how much you value them.
0: And Cecile, the conversation doesn't stop here when it comes to teachers, right?
1: I'm so excited. Next week, we're going to be talking to Genevieve, Mm -hmm. who is a Uh, a 20-year veteran uh, teacher in Arizona, another state that has been heavily hit by the COVID-19 virus. So we look forward to hearing what she has to say and learning how she and her students are dealing and the parents with the crisis. So that will be next
0: week. Looking forward to that. And that'll bring us to the end of yet another podcast. Thanks so much for listening to Ends With Z. We'll be back next week with another episode. In the meantime, make sure to subscribe at www.endswithz.com to get the latest updates from us. Email us with questions or show suggestions. We'll be happy to hear from you. Also, follow us on Instagram for tips and insight as well. Until next week, for Cecile Munoz and executive producer Sean Mo, I'm Juan Fernandez. Have a great day because above all else, you matter.